It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Hoff on the Mullen Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. We are both at Lambeau Field after the Bears' 17-9 season-ending loss to the Green Bay Packers. It was a one-possession game, Dan. I'm not sure it ever felt that close. A lot of things uh, at stake here. This was one of those games where there was a lot of hype, a lot of expectation. Could have knocked the Packers out of the playoffs the Bears did not rise to the occasion. The Packers did. Jordan Love was outstanding. Justin Fields uh, had some moments, uh, but they weren't all good enough or consistent enough, and the Bear defense kind of let them down. 17-9, to season's over. Yeah, season's over, and now all the intrigue begins. Uh, and the focus of my column at ChicagoTribune.com is what's ahead for Ryan Poles. And in particular, he has to start – with the evaluation of his head coach in Matt Eberflus. He has to continue, obviously, for a longer stretch of time with the quarterback evaluation. But, David, now it gets real. And I am sort of, I don't want to say glad, but I, I guess I, I feel like this afternoon's game was punctuation on a season that allows them to consider everything. You had this late season surge where they won five out of seven games. You had this feel good home finale against the Atlanta Falcons in which everything felt great turning the page into a new year. And then you walk out of Lambeau field with the most sobering reality check you could get, which is you're not good enough yet. And the Packers are going to the playoffs and they kind of drummed you on their home field with everything at stake. And you never stood up and met the moment. Like you, you, you want a team like this to meet the moment. And so now it's up to Ryan with uh, guidance and direction from Kevin Warren to, to figure out what all this means. And, and I hope they do what they've promised to do, which is be methodical and diligent and sort through everything because I don't think settling for good enough should be good enough anymore. Seven and 10, the final record, the 10th straight loss to the Packers. There's only one thing in the game I want to touch on maybe in a bit. We're only going to do this for a quick, reaction. We'll get into more of it when we drop the pod on Tuesday morning. Uh, the concussion issue and Justin Fields missing three, missing a, one play, uh, I want to touch on. But I think you're exactly right with your focus. You have to look at what's next and, and what, what their rationale will be. Uh, the, the three jobs I think that are most uh, obviously uh, speculated about and in jeopardy, I suppose, head coach, offensive coordinator, and quarterback. I'll just give you my quick thoughts. We asked Matt Eberflus about it after the game. He's going to meet with players on Monday in the exit meetings. Sounded like he had not been uh, in discussions about his future. But I, I think Ryan Poles and the Bears radio network before the game sounded like a coach or a general manager that wasn't about to fire his coach on Monday. Sounded like he was praising Flus. All that could change. But I'll just say it sounds like he's just keep Matt Eberflus. 
Luke Kessie, I would have a few more issues, or at least I would have doubts about him returning because I don't think they're going to likely bring Justin Fields back. I, I think that if you don't do that, you open the door for a new offensive coordinator. And it's inconceivable for me to think that this offense that scored nine points against the Packers, fizzled against the Browns, isn't good against better defenses, can come, can run it back and do it again. So I think Fluce is safe, Getsy isn't, and Justin Fields played in his last game as a Bear today. Yeah, I, I I won't give you heavy pushback in any of those reactions or any of those verdicts. I, I, I am eager to see what happens with Matt Eberflus and how they explain whatever decision they come to. Because you're right, in the pregame comments that Ryan Poles made on the Bears radio network, he sounded like a man firmly behind his leader and, and praised him for his steady hand and his leadership and his ability to, to go through tough times and uh, not crumble amid pressure, but but rise up and be better. But that was before tonight's game. That was before his offense went out and didn't score a touchdown in a gotta-have-it game at Lambeau Field. It was before his defense gave up 432 total yards on seven possessions. Packers only had seven possessions in this game, David, and their possession chart was was jarring. They're averaging like uh, almost 62 yards a possession for the night, which and it goes missed field goal, touchdown, end of half, which by the way, the, the half ended with a, a very controversial call. Touchdown, fumble, field goal, four-minute offense, end of game. So you never forced them to punt the entire night. Uh, that's part of the evaluation. This entire game has to be part of the evaluation you watch what jordan love does running a variation of the same offense that the bears run with a supporting cast that's led by Jaden reed and uh bo melton bo melton and romeo dobbs leaves the game with a chest injury earlier and there's a, a guy named heath running around and then there's <laughs> musgrave and Kraft, the tight ends you know you know what i mean and, yeah. and he goes for 316 yards and david he finishes the season with more than 4100 passing yards and 32 touchdowns which by Bears historical records would be franchise single season records. And the guy in his first season of the post Rod Aaron Rodgers era goes out and leads his team in this fashion, gets them to a winning record, punches their ticket into the playoffs. And you just have to step back and ask yourself, like, can't that be us? Why can't that be us? And you and I talked about it outside the locker room post game. The Green Bay Packers rebooted at quarterback, losing a four-time MVP and made the playoffs the next year. On Saturday night, the Houston Texans fresh off a 14-loss season, beat the Indianapolis Colts and, and got a wild card berth. Another one division, didn't they? Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
They, they won the division after and today, it, yes. Ended up being the division champions, and they're in the playoffs. So this notion that you can't possibly afford to reboot at quarterbacks or you're destined to take this huge step backwards, it doesn't hold water. It just doesn't. The Bears have to consider all these things. I agree with that totally, and I think it's a bad weekend to make that argument that you can't plop a, a gifted rookie or a first-time starter into an equation and say, all right, here's your ready-made defense. You upgrade the offensive line, which wasn't good today, five sacks. Uh, yeah, I missing Justin, Lucas Patrick and lost Nate Davis early. Yeah, so they had some injuries. So there are some extenuating circumstances, but there always seem to be extenuating circumstances with Justin Fields. And, and not to pick on him, I think he couldn't be good enough. But as you said, good enough can't be enough any longer. You need to think bigger. And it just, again, for the 25th time in 38 NFL starts, uh, the Bears did not have 200 passing yards with Justin Fields as the quarterback. And I think that you start to have – uh, things that are obvious in front of you and you wonder uh, what, what the Bears... The thing about it is timing. Matty Rufus will find out first. Luke Getty will find out next. It's going to be a while before Justin Fields even, I think, is is officially an ex-Bear yeah. if that's the direction they go because these things take time. They do take time, and there's a lot to sift through, and you have to go out and do your full vetting of the 2024 quarterback draft class to get uh, resolution on how you feel about that group and how they size up compared to Justin Fields. I, I thought Fields was very mature, as he always is in the post game, and, and sort of acknowledging that he's just going to um, – you know, step back and 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 try not to be uh, stressed out by the what ifs and what could be and and what is possibly out there and what rumor is the rumor du jour and 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 where could he possibly go? Uh, but at the end of it all, David, he also offered a, a little bit of a, a farewell on his way off the, the the stage there today, where he he thanked people like you and the media for making his job more difficult, but then <laughs> gave a heartfelt thanks to the fans and and appreciated Chicago and said, if this is my last rodeo with y'all, I appreciate y'all and so. So it seemed like a quarterback who understands what could be ahead for him. It, it not only understands, but I almost think anticipates that's what's ahead of him. I think, you know, he's been very classy. He's been very professional. And I think that's part of the reason he has such widespread public support is because the way that he has carried himself amid such uncertainty, and he alluded to it last offseason, was very similar from his vantage point. It certainly wasn't from the broader perspective where you didn't have somebody like Caleb Williams that he was being compared to, uh, somebody who has been described as as transcendent. You know, the, the only way this, this changes in terms of the narrative that we're describing right now, and I know a lot of people bristle at that word, but the pre-draft process could un... un veil or discover you know character flaws in Caleb yeah. Williams that will change your mindset and thinking altogether that is always going to be the case but I think that when you heard Justin Fields walk off the stage today it was a Bears quarterback basically you know saying thank you for the last three years and uh and we'll see you next, we'll see you around wherever that may be I wanted to say this also on the big picture level, because we've spent the last couple months justifiably so talking about the renewed uh, energy and, and um, optimism and hope and, and camaraderie inside the Bears locker room. When you stepped foot in that Bears locker room after uh, Sunday afternoon's game, it was silent. It was dejected. There was a, a vibe in there that was just hard to kind of stomach, you know, and, and, and when you contrast that with how good they felt in this stretch where they've won five out of seven, and then you see it tonight where it was just like this, this cold uppercut to the jaw that, that said, you're not there yet. And, and then you see your rival going to the playoffs and you see a team that just kind of outclassed you uh, in a game where you didn't want to be out 
class where you wanted to show the rest of the world that, that you were there. It was like, to me, it was just really telling that, yes, the Bears have closed the gap. But there's still an obvious gap, and that gap is uncomfortable. And that's what that feeling was in that locker room, was the, the discomfort with the gap. And so for me, David, it's just like, how do you define excellence, and how close are you to attaining it? It's a great question, and I found myself sort of conflicted between of the familiarity of hearing the chant in the corridor, Bears still suck, and the it's 10 annual. straight losses. It's a tradition around here, and understanding that it is pretty uh, – there's still that gap between the Bears and the division – you know, champions. Uh, and the, the good Lions teams in the league, right? Yeah, yeah the, the good teams in the league. There's the a good gap. teams in the league. And then I, I, I kind of find myself, okay, that's glass half empty. Glass half full is what we heard from Cody Whitehair in the locker room, one guy who did speak, and I think he said it was a team on the rise and somebody who is excited about the future. And I think that when you look at the number one overall pick, all the salary cap space, a, a top 10 defense, you do kind of understand that they're in a position where, as you, we've been talking about leading up to this game, it, it, other teams could be in a position to envy that kind of uh, flexibility with the cap, having all the draft capital, and having a defense that's ready to win now. So there's there's that. There's an optimistic way to look at it. There's a cynical way to look at it. And, and I think um, what Ryan Poles has to do is take the realistic view, is that you know, you don't fall in love with any idea or any one player. You do what's best for every position at, on the roster, and you get you, you know you go out and you you aggressively attack the offseason. Well, yeah, and, and and you do have the resources to do so, and I think Ryan is very confident in his ability to go out and and chase improvements and upgrades where he, where he deems that he needs them. And now you have to start with the big high profile ones, you know, and you have to figure out, you know, is there, uh, and this is why Kevin Warren was brought into the building to be that overseer of the general manager position because it gives you feedback and direction and and guidance that may cause you to consider things that you might not otherwise have considered. I think Ryan feels very, very close to Matt Eberflus. I think he feels very, very proud of the leadership traits that he shows and his ability to lead a team like this through some dark days. I remember the podcast we did when I was at Arrowhead Stadium in early October, or late September, whenever that was, and, and thinking like, man, this this team is lost. And I don't feel that way anymore. This team is on the climb, right? but there's still a long way to go on their climb. And I think Ryan probably feels great satisfaction in that. But now, the point of having a boss is to say, okay, but wait a minute. Let's zoom out. This coach that you handpicked two years ago is 10 and 24 in his two seasons as Bears coach. Within that 10 and 24 record is a 2 and 12 mark against teams that made the playoffs. Okay, so what does that tell us? Okay, yes, the roster was building and all these other things, but the roster has gotten more competitive this year. And still, when you've played these games this afternoon against the Packers, earlier uh, in December against the Browns, uh, the the collapse at Ford Field against Detroit, you had the one win against the Lions. You just you haven't measured up when you've needed to measure up. And I think you can't just ignore that and and scoot past it and go, oh well, it'll resolve itself eventually. Like this league is about figuring out how to get to the highest level, and and that's where I just think it's going to be an interesting week. I thought it was very, very telling um, and notable, I guess, that, that Matt keeps insisting and emphasizing that he's been given no assurance on his job security, that he expects this to be very methodical in terms of them doing the player, player exit interviews on Monday, and then him having opportunities to meet with Ryan and Kevin, and he mentioned ownership as the week goes on. And so, you know, like, I think we're conditioning the audience here to, to say, like, just buckle in, because this, this may take until Wednesday or Thursday to have any sort of resolution one way or another as it relates to the coach. And our audience should know that Dan asked Matt Eberflus, was like, okay, what, was it going to be Wednesday? Is it going to be two? 
what, when's it going to be, man? We need to get on with this. You know, it was kind of funny. It was like, he doesn't really know when this is going to happen. And think it wasn't the verbatim question, but it was the vibe. It wasn't the verbatim <laughs> question. I am exaggerating, but it was certainly the vibe. I want to get to the point about the uh, Justin Fields uh, concussion protocol injury sure. tent issue before we get out of here, because we'll cover a lot of the speculation and whatever happens when uh, Monday afternoon when we drop for Tuesday's podcast. Justin Fields hit his ground, hit the, his his head hit the ground hard enough that it bounced. Uh, Jonathan Owens was a shoulder uh, to shoulder hit, and Justin Fields' head reacted as a as a result. Could have been a flag. I mean, the, technically, if you're looking at it slow motion, you know you, you could see the shoulder went in, and he didn't. You said, well, he didn't hit helmet to helmet. Fine. A lot of could quarterbacks been, get that flag for sure. A lot of quarterbacks get that flag. Justin Fields talked afterward about being frustrated. He wasn't going to say anything to get him fined. Dan, I was as concerned with. Okay, that's a separate issue. He was. In, he stayed in the game for three more snaps. He left for one snap. <laughs> then he came back and he played again. The brain injuries aren't twisted ankles. I just don't understand how everyone so quickly and readily accepts the fact that that is okay for his head to bounce the way it did to be wobbly was the word that Iberflus used enough to leave the game and then come back after missing one snap. And his description was essentially they asked him inside the blue tent, do you know where you are? And a couple other questions. And and in Justin's own uh, words was he was just trying to get it over with so he could get back out on the field. And so, I, I mean, David, it's a, a bigger picture issue where, where the league has obviously made progress, you know, over the last decade. But there's still moments like this where you're like, oh, God, like, you know, which one is it? Is it is it is it important enough for the spotter to buzz down and get him off the field? And if it is that important, is it important to make sure that no matter that it's the fourth quarter and it's literally the, the quarterback's last drive of the season, that you make sure that you thoroughly evaluate him before clearing him to go back out there and pot- potentially take another hit? Um, I'm always unsettled by by the brain stuff and, and the head injuries and the way that they're still not fully processed as seriously as they need to be. That's a moment right there that, that, you know, when we reflect up the road and we're, we're talking about this, this big picture league wide sport wide issue more, it's, it's one of these snapshot examples where you say this can't happen in the way that it happened. It's a data point and something to go into the off season. If we ever have a chance to have Chris Nowinski on the we podcast, should. he'd be a terrific guest, local guy uh, from Chicago who is now at the forefront of, of the concussion uh, awareness in, in professional sports and amateur sports, all over sports, all over America. Okay, Dan, so we know kind of where things stand. There's uncertainty surrounding uh, Justin Fields, Luke Getze, and Matt Eberflus, I guess, to be fair. Um, what do you expect timing-wise and anything else that we forgot before we get out of here? I mean, David, the timing wise is kind of what we've laid out that, you know, I I don't know. I mean, you know, like we all know that what is now week 19 um, is fluid (laughs) and you just have to be ready for anything to happen. Yeah. Anything to happen at any point, because there's just a lot of flux that goes on. And um, if the Bears do as they've promised to do, which is stay on schedule and do the player exit interviews and then have Kevin and Ryan get their heads together and then eventually bring Flus in for his performance review and allow him him to have his say in his performance review this could this could be something that takes most of the upcoming week and again like as we talked about at the end of last week that's okay i I know everyone wants answers but if you get him on uh 
Monday morning or you get them on Friday morning, like the the the, the ultimate goal is for the, the franchise to make the right choice that propels them in a direction that they think is is going to position them to to sustain success and win championships. If that's keeping Flus, then they make that decision. If it's pivoting in a new direction, then they make that decision. But I, I think we all have to be ready to just kind of be playing the waiting game for a long time, and it's going to be uncomfortable for for a little bit until uh, until they come to that decision. Keep tabs at Take the North Pod on Twitter. Keep track of us uh, on our own Twitter accounts at Dan Wiederer and at David Haw and at uh, what is yours is different, Dan. What you have an underscore there or something? No, it's just at Dan Wiederer on Twitter. Okay. Is, that, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, and I like the last thing I wanted to say, David, was just like you watch Jordan Love play tonight and you just like, there's, there, there's an eye test there where you go, that's it. The quick decisions, the tight window throws, even the touchdown pass that was overruled in the back of the end zone. It was just a missile into uh, a receiver that, you know, in Chicago for three years, we've been saying he's, he wasn't open. He wasn't open. That's why he didn't throw. He wasn't, well, that, you know, that's the NFL. And you just saw a number of, of moments tonight where Jordan Love 27 for 32, 316, two touchdowns, a 128.6 rating. I, like it just told you everything you you needed to know about what the next level of quarterback play is. And this is Jordan Love. You know, this isn't the top of the league right now. This isn't Mahomes. It's in a, in a struggle year. It's not the others. But, like, he's on, his, he's on, he's on the escalator, it seems. And, and, and certainly the, the discrepancy between those two things and the, the final yardage discrepancy, both passing yards and total yards, it was just like the, 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 you're not in that ballpark with the Packers. And it's depressing because you should be closer at this point, given the flux of both teams. You got swept by them again in a year where you thought that this was going to be the changing the guard and it wasn't and and the, the quarterback component of that evaluation is, is certainly notable we've both been in this building and left this stadium under more dire circumstances for the bears but it is a very familiar sense of uh frustration i think because you're covering a team and still there's a gap that should is wider than it needs to be and it you know begins a quarterback and there was a big difference uh in this game tonight jordan love was outstanding and justin fields it wasn't all him but um if you're still asking the question after three years if he is the guy that's kind of got that's kind of the answer to the question itself. We'll continue to monitor all the do, uh, happenings at Hallisall. We'll continue to keep an eye on what's going on. We will be back on Tuesday morning at our usual time. If something happens Monday, we'll uh, obviously jump in. Just stay tuned and, and be ready for a week full of uh, a lot of changes and, and a lot of um, a lot of commentary. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a ton of it. And look, like the, uh, David, I get I get bad feelings walking into that visiting locker room inside this building because I've been in there for so many glum experiences, you know, and it's just, it's not comfortable. Another one this afternoon, another one this evening. And, and I walk out of here going, man, like one of these years, this can't be the feeling you get walking out of the, the Lambeau field visiting locker room. We'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, appreciate you, you tuning in tonight for a post-game reaction. Bears 17 to nine losers to the Packers, seven and 10 overall. Futures of Matt Eberflus, Luke Getzey, and Justin Fields. Certainly, I'm sure you have opinions. Thank you for checking out the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts and watching us on the 670 Scores YouTube page. We'll talk to you next time. For Adam Szynski and Dan Wieter, I'm David Hall. We will see you on Take the North. Good talk to you out there.